BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. The best there is, best there was, and the best there ever will be. And you know it. With a tear in my eye. The queen of the crop. Acknowledge me. Well, good morning, everybody. It is episode 323 of Top Rope Nation talking AEW World's End from last night. It's been not even 12 hours since the show concluded. Ryan Drosty, Jesse Velasquez, and a very special guest who was in the building last night at the Nassau Coliseum to witness this all live. We're going to get his perspective. He's been on the show many times before. You're seeing him on the video feed right now. Frank Pettiani, welcome back to Top Rope Nation. Hey, Ryan, really appreciate uh, being on the show with you and uh, Jesse, you as well. Always uh, always an honor to be uh, amongst the Top Rope Nation faithful. I don't even know how many times you've appeared. It's been you've been on the show many, many times. You've been on our bonus shows before. We've collaborated both of Jesse and I and Justin, you know, with you doing your show over at the Torch. So always a pleasure to get you on, especially the flagship here. So we're excited to hear about what it was like in the a totally sold out building last night. From what I've seen, ten thousand fans. What the atmosphere was like. Uh, had you been planning on going to the show for quite some time, or was this a last-minute thing, Frank? Tell our listeners. <laughs> it's funny because I actually had some hesitancy uh, about going to the show. I uh, I don't know if I've talked about it on this program, but I'm not a big fan of the Nassau Coliseum. Okay, it's mm-hmm. it's not a customer-friendly venue. And uh, if our good friend Justin Girardi, uh, who's a patron here and a good friend of mine, uh, he can attest to it. He's a big Islander fan, uh, and he's been to that uh, arena many a times. And uh, in the Facebook group, uh, his friend Dino, who I uh, I brought in, I got to know as well, described the renovations. Uh, it's trash, LOL. I love it. Uh, <laughs> um He said, quote, the renovations of Nassau Coliseum are like putting lipstick on a pig. So that pretty much that pretty much tells you everything that you need to know. It's uh, one of the issues is there's no public transportation going in and out. So you've got all 
you know, it's all cars coming in. So you don't have like a little bit of an alleviation, you know, that you would have with like Madison Square Garden or even the UBS Arena where, you know, some people will drive, you know, uh, and that alleviates it. So that the uh, the concourse is a disaster. It was a disaster when the Islanders played there and it's a disaster. It's it's small. Uh, it's congested, so you got people coming in. You got people trying to go to the stands. You got people trying to buy merchandise. It's just you got. It's basically two pounds of shit in a one pound bag is the best way <laughs> I could describe it. Okay, I, I mean you know, um, well, Frank, I, mean, I would I would be impressed though because it wouldn't take much to impress me. Just being one of my two all time favorite artists, Mr. Bruce Springsteen had a legendary New Year's Eve concert there back in 1980. So I would walk into that place no matter how much of a dump it was. Yeah. And I'd be gawking up at the ceiling and I'd be like, within these walls, the boss had that legendary concert. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? If, if you frequent the place, like if you go to a lot of, you know, back in the day, if you went to a lot of Islander games or whatever, you get used to it. You don't care, you know? Hmm. And I mean, you get a lot of people coming from work, so they already grab something to eat on the way, you know, whatever. They're not too worried about it. You know, my wife and I, uh, you know, we're trying to go. I mean, I want to get a freaking hot dog. I'm not getting a hot dog till 1030 at night because the lines, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, it was just as bad as the Arthur Ashe Stadium. I think I was messaging you yeah. during that Grand Slam. And, and I haven't gone back to Grand Slam since because of it, you know, and I want yeah. to go, but it's just the customer. But uh, anyway, with all that, uh, with all my uh, wanting and complaining being said, uh, I'm still glad I went because, you know, the idea you're running a pay-per-view here. Who knows when a pay-per-view is going to be there again? So, you know, you might as well go because otherwise you get that FOMO, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I wish for God the next time they come, please go to UBS Arena, please. If anybody from AEW watches this show, please go to UBS Arena. It's such a better experience. But uh, I'm glad I went. Justin and I actually talked about going, but it couldn't work out for him, unfortunately. Uh, so it would have been nice, but, uh, you know, Maybe uh, maybe the next time we'll try to work it out. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were there, and I'm glad you could join us because it's going to be valuable to get your perspective of what it was like live. And we'll get to our grades here in just a second. Jesse Velasquez, welcome to the show. You've got the Anaheim Ducks jersey on. Not your native uh, Minnesota Wild or Minnesota North Stars, but hockey nonetheless. You're in the hockey state. How are you doing this morning? Really well, full of adrenaline. Big reason, main reason I'm on this show is Frank has joined us. Thank you very much. My man. Always appreciated, because otherwise I would not have gone out of my way to watch that show until this morning, because mm. my son, who's about five feet in front of me, <laughs> is obviously preoccupies my time, and I'll tell the story. I watched the first two matches last night. I went with him and got him to sleep. I fell asleep. I woke up with about 15 minutes left in the show. <laughs> so I watched the rest of it in peace at around 11 o'clock at night. And let me tell you, we'll get into that here in a second, but yeah. it was so peaceful. It made the viewing experience that much better. Yeah. Yes, well, I, 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 I can appreciate distraction-free viewing. It's, it's, it, it comes at a premium in this house. So uh, as it does for all of our houses, we, we all share. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, let's get our grades out of the way right away here. So we all kind of watch this in different ways. Like Jesse said, he, he wasn't even planning on watching it until this morning when I told him Frank was going to be on. He's like, I got to be on the show. I got to do it. Somehow I will manage my child and I will get on the show. So let's do our old A through F and I will show you guys what our listeners thought over on the Twitter X page. Um, personally, for me, 
I'll give the show a B. I would have been lower until the last three matches. Uh, I thought like the first half, it was one of the more disappointing shows maybe for AEW. Now, I'll say that with the caveat that AEW pay-per-views are kind of on a pedestal. (laughs) They always deliver in the ring. And the problem with the show was that a lot of the matches didn't have much build because the Continental Classic has taken up the bulk of television time, which has been tremendous. So I can't complain about that. But there just wasn't a lot of heat for the early matches. But once you got to the you know cream of the crop, once you got to Christian and Copeland, and then Moxley and Kingston, yeah, exactly. And then you get to that main event with MJF and Joe. I just thought those three matches hit it out of the park. So to me, it, it gets into that B, almost B plus range, not an A show for me. But after the after the end, I certainly was not regretting watching it or spending my forty nine ninety nine. What about you, Frank? I'm going to be the contrarian. I'll give it a C plus. There was a lot of, you know, deadness on the show to your point, you know, with the matches, Mm -hmm. there was not a lot of personal investment and we'll get into it a little bit more. I don't want to get too granular right now. Um, The last three matches, the energy was there. Again, I don't want to get into too many details, but why the, you're talking about 250-somethings, 250-something stalwarts in WWE putting on one of your big matches in AEW. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but for a young promotion, that's a problem, okay? Kingston and Moxley, you know, we'll get into that. Definitely a positive. Joe, MJF, good match. I, I think I think we might be looking at it in a little bit better light because, you know, we were looking for the devil reveal, and I'm not sure we were necessarily looking for the match, okay? I mean, the match itself was decent, but I just, I, I normally, and you guys have been on my show with me. We, we've done all pay-per-views. We reviewed them, okay? I think you know by now, I normally look for about two or three matches that pull the show and, you know, really kind of set the tone for the grade. And I'm not sure that those last three matches really pulled it that high. It pulled it up, don't get me wrong, but not into the B range for me. So I'll, I'll give it a C plus and I will reserve the right with you fine gentlemen to elevate it into the B minus if I'm convinced otherwise. So let's, uh, let's see what you got along with my uh, coffee over here. Let's see what it does. <laughs> well, like Justin joint likes to say, we'll see if we can take you six to midnight here this morning. <laughs> I love it. Jesse, where are you at on this one? I'm in your B range as well. The huge difference for me last night, not just the extra sleep and being able to view it with a really open eye and mind, but also I stayed off of Twitter for the whole thing. And it made the world of difference right there. That's my intention for 2024 is to try to stay off of TwitterX.com because I saw a lot of negativity on this show, and I'm guessing much like a movie where the ending maybe not have, might not have hit their standards, mm-hmm. and they're going to grade it on that curve as opposed to something else. I felt that there wasn't anything egregiously terrible on the show. One, one through five was fine. I think they were good TV matches, and that's the thing with AEW is that their TV matches are so good you almost have to take it to another level on pay-per-view. And that's what lowers this grade to a B because the other three matches were what you would get on a pay-per-view. And that also includes 
the ending. So I'm a little higher on this than I'd say most are. And I would also, with you, Ryan, I'd go with B. I see our friend uh, Carl Longhan is in the chat. He says, A for the crowd, except for those bowing to Jericho. B minus for the show, out of respect for those in the top three matches. And F for Jericho and Tony Khan. <laughs> so let's look at what our viewers over on Twitter thought. I'll, I'll share my screen, put the poll up on the screen. They were all over the map on this one. We had about 10% give it an A. The majority gave it a B, 32.5%. Then we had another 30% giving it a C and somehow 28% D or F. I don't know if these are people in the heat of the moment, disappointed in the reveal at the end, thought it was too predictable or just some WWE trolls, but D or F is ridiculous. I can see the C grade for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that BC range is, is probably accurate here. So with the reveal of Adam Cole as the devil, are you guys telling me that was predictable? Jesse, you telling me that was predictable. The group was that predictable? extremely predictable yet i thought it was well done and it it really uh... it reminded me a lot of i was a big being the elite fan i'm not going to bring this gentleman's name up but it reminded me of when that gentleman joined the bullet club and kicked adam cole out of the group Mm. at an roh show where kenny omega shows up on the big screen introduces the new character to the group not this little man over to the left of me but uh introduce the new character to the group he comes in jumps adam cole and the rest is history so with that i would also say yeah that's what made this for me the the four assailants were kind of obvious adam cole was obvious but i thought with the lights out gimmick everything was extremely well done short sweet off the air i liked it a lot Maybe something that would have surprised people is Joe winning the title. Maybe not so much after about the last week or so, but we've been pumping on this podcast for weeks now that we were picking Joe to, uh, to win the title. And, you know, as far as predictability goes, let me just play a clip here from, uh, our preview from Thursday night going in to AW world's end. And then we'll come back here. Here's a clip for you. I'm fairly certain it's going to be Adam Cole. And I think I think the uh, the group's going to be Roddy Strong, in the Kingdom, and Wardlow. I think that's who the group's going to be. And then we'll get the story with MJF after that. But uh, I mean, right now, with all that said, my pick is Samoa Joe to win the world title. Still, we talked about this weeks ago. Plans could change, but right now, I I mean, I think MJF's going to drop the title. Yes, it was predictable <laughs> Some, somewhat. If you listen to this show, you would not have been surprised. And we were all pretty much on that page. Jesse. I'll make one more point as well. Suppose they had gone off a track here and not gone with predictability. I think they would have graded this pay-per-view worse. I really That's do. That's probably true, yeah. yeah. The beginning of the devil angle and the end I thought were great. It's the middle that was not good. The middle of this story was just not good. You got from beginning to end in a very, very, very clunky way. Yeah, sometimes predictability is good. I'm seeing people talking about this in the chat. Ryan Huffman's in there. We say on the show all the time that sometimes you just got to do the logical thing. And this was clearly the logical thing. Now, Frank, how did the building react? It kind of came across on TV. But when it was revealed at the very end, and then we'll get into the match, that Cole was with, you know, the masked assailants. How did that crowd respond? It wasn't as strong as you probably thought it was or probably wanted it to be. It wasn't negative, I would say, because I think a lot of people expected it. 
So the fact that, you know, Adam Cole was revealed, you know, they were just like, okay, yeah, we saw this coming all along. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's fine. And, and to your guys point, I, I think it's okay. I mean, I think when you start going off the rails and start, do you want to swerve for the sake of a swerve for the sake of a swerve? And I think Jesse, you even talked about it. I'm glad they just went the logical route. You know, I'm glad they just went the, uh, the route that we all expected because really who else, who else was going to be the devil? I, I mean, there was just, I, I was trying to think about it. I mean, the only other person I thought of was Copeland, but I'm like, how would that even, how would that even play? You know, like, yeah, yeah. again, that's swerve for the sake of a swerve. So, um, you know, it, it was mostly fine. Um, I, I, I know we'll talk about the match here in a little bit, but I think that waiting for the reveal took away from the match. It took away from people's investment in the championship itself, you know, which I think should be the most important thing. You know, MJF, the longest reigning AEW champion, you know, putting the title on the line and losing the title should have been the big story. And it was secondary, you know, maybe like even the least important thing on the card uh, to the devil reveal. So, you know, like I said, we'll get into that, but uh, that would just be my uh, quibble with it. But um, yeah, uh, not the, not a strong reaction, but not a terrible reaction to it is the fairest way I could put it. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone that could have just sent this crowd going totally nuts and shocked them. Like it, the only possibility when this whole storyline started, as we talked about in the show, like our ultimate dream before he signed with WWE would have been punk. You know, if they could have somehow worked, that's the only way I think you would have got these total shock reaction. Everyone else, people have been like, Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little curious if, the group had actually cost Max the title if they would have got more heat because it didn't seem in at least coming across on TV, it didn't seem like there was that much heat on the reveal. And if they had actually cost him the belt, the longest reigning champion, as you said, would you have got more heat out of the reveal? That's that's one thing I was curious about. But you know, mm-hmm. they wanted to put Joe over strong. Max is working hurt, legit hurt. He's supposedly going to take some time off now. So I guess, you know, they wanted to put him over strong. It was, were you guys surprised though, that the group didn't cost him the title? I was, uh, cause like, what's the whole point? Like, what was the point of Joe turning on Max? There was absolutely no connection with that, you know? And like the devil, you would think that the devil, the whole point of the devil is to cost MJF championship. This gentleman that has been his friend for the last four months. So, What's the point of the devil, especially now that MJF is likely taking time off or likely taking off from AEW. So like, let's say even that happens, then what's the whole point just to turn Adam Cole heel and just to form this stable? Like what, you know what I mean? Like there's just no, to me, there's no satisfaction out of that. Uh, So I thought that, uh, I thought that was a little bit strange. I don't buy for one second that MJF is not under yeah. long-term contract for this company. If, if oh, yeah, no, no. Really, I'm just, really I'm just saying, like, you know, yeah. even, even with him staying, it's like, okay, they didn't cost him the championship. So what, all this to set up a feud with MJF and Adam Cole? Yeah. yeah. Like, they could have done that how many times? MJ Adam could have cost him the championship at full gear. He could have thrown in the towel. They could have mm-hmm. done something at all in. There were so many times where they could have done the turn but they didn't and they did it now. And it just, I don't know. There's just a, a, a misconnect for me. 
Yeah, I'm curious if the injury plays into that, probably, you know, that they pushed it back. We didn't see and people wonder how legit is the injury? He wore the boot last night. He didn't act like he wasn't actually injured. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he appears to really be injured. So with that being the case, um, I think they probably just pushed the timeline back a bit from what they originally had planned. And they had to drag this out a little bit longer. And it certainly felt that way on TV. The storyline had had lost a lot of steam. But, hey, let's get into the match itself. All right. And then we'll. We'll, we'll talk about the ending here a little bit more. So at this point in time, the crowd was humming. As I said, the, the prior two matches that we're going to talk about in a little bit had really got them back into it. I did think it was interesting that it seemed like Joe got a pretty positive response from the crowd when he first came out, despite Max being the local guy. Uh, but then Max had this custom Long Island entrance made with these videos, all these people talking about him. There was this funny bit where like there was these two organized crime guys who were trying to get this guy to say these certain comments or they were going to beat him up. And then they did beat him up. And, you know, they're all raving about MJF. They even had the the students from Creative Pro, Brian Myers Academy that Max trained at on there as well. And so by the time MJF came out, he got a great reaction from the crowd Frank, was was uh, Joe getting a pretty positive reaction before that? It was a strange situation. Joe was getting a positive reaction. He was getting cheered. You got the Joe, Joe, Joe chant. Uh, you know, then they ran the video. Then MJF uh, came out. And then Joe got booed during the intro. So it was like, <laughs> how did we get from point A to point B? You know, it was, it was just really... It was a- yeah, it was almost like that WWE thing where they try to explain away the crowd because on the broadcast, they were like, well, you know, these fans, Joe's been a longtime wrestler and they want to see him do, uh, you know, something like that. They were trying to explain why he was getting cheered. But then, yeah, it seemed like that video intro just kind of switched him over. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, they, they get the uh, the whole intro with the, the ring introductions and everything with the cool lighting that they've been doing. And uh, at that point, we got the he's our scumbag chance. and. Max is wrestling with this big shoulder brace on. Again, as I said earlier, it's totally legit. He has been working injured, which was another reason I picked him to lose the title, and so did Justin, and so did Jesse. And they get into the match uh, after Adam Cole comes out. So MJF calls out Adam Cole. He's on crutches. He's standing at ringside for the match. And immediately I notice with Cole that he looked very tan. Like he had spent a lot of time getting self-tanner on. Like he's going to be on TV a lot more over the next few weeks. I noticed that right away. Like he's, he's got that TV tan ready. Interesting. Maybe he so should then, have been lined up to face Hulk Hogan in 1997 at Starcade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bischoff would have been very happy with them. If that was yeah, January and, 1st, 2024, Frank, that would have been line of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so Excalibur is calling back to how on commentary, how Cole helped MJF retain against Joe at grand slam, you know, and was there in his corner and, Maybe we got the same thing going tonight. And so they get into the match and Joe is just dominating early. You know, you got the injury situation. Uh, Cole's watching on his crutches from ringside. As I said, Uh, at one time, Max tried from the outside to, you know, skin the cat, bring himself back over the top rope. And Joe runs in, kicks him, sends him out to the outside. And then uh, Joe does a tope to the outside, which was a good sequence. He brings him back into the ring, and then he just goes nuts. Death Valley driver, dragon suplex, straight jacket, German suplex in the ring. He gets a two count because Max gets his foot on the ropes for the break. And then, you guys, this guy who is legit hurt, Joe takes him to the outside ring apron, and he gives MJF the muscle buster on Mm -hmm. his injured shoulder, which was just 
insanity that he took that fall. I like almost jumped out of my seat watching that. And they they made sure to point out that's you know that's the injured shoulder. They showed it again. What'd you think of that spot? Should have ended the match. Seriously, safest place to work. <laughs> I mean, the match went 17 minutes 52 seconds. So why not chop off five of it? It mean makes this MJF injury look even more legit. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That was the most eye popping spot of the match easily. And the thing is, like, you know, the full gear match was 30 minutes. So shortening this by 12 actually makes it a positive. But, you know, we're seeing the you know what I mean? Like the bar is kind of uh, blurring what the uh, what the overall issue is. So, yeah. So eventually back in the ring, MJF, he kind of starts coming back. He's basically throwing around his shoulders for offense. You know, his one arm is totally out of it. Uh, He hits the heat seeker for two. He goes for a second one, but Joe lifts up his head. He carries Max into the ring, and eventually Max reverses that. He locks in the salt of the earth armbar, and he's using Joe's hand tape for leverage. Joe eventually rolls through to reverse it, and then MJF gets to the ropes for the break. At this point in time, Samoa Joe is going for his choke, but MJF backs him up into the ref, so we get the ref bump spot. And then Max slyly smiles at the camera. And first he goes to use his tape. He low blows Joe on the turnbuckle. He uh, carries him with the fireman's carry. He hits the F5. uh, And then he covers, but Bryce Remsburg's still out. He slowly recovers. There's the two count. And then Max goes over to Adam Cole for the dynamite diamond ring. And Cole's looking all over, and he can't seem to find it. And finally, he finds the dynamite diamond. But all that delay allows Joe to lock in his choke. Uh, Max then reverses that into a roll-up out of the corner, you know, using his feet, pushing back, flipping over for the two count. But then Joe reverses that into his choke, and he gets the clutch on, and Max's hand falls three times. And the third time, it kind of just falls against his body, not all the way to the mat. Remsburg looks kind of confused, and then he rings the bell. And there was a shock reaction from the crowd when they announced the new champion and uh, that's it. He wins clean and uh, Joe makes his, you know, the outro he's carrying the title to the back. There's a guy on the ring uh, on the aisle on the entrance to the ring who had this sign that says, if MJF loses, we riot. And Joe stared him down and he says, you ain't doing shit. And then he walks to the back. That was pretty funny. And so then is when we got the devil reveal. So they're not factored into the finish at all. So after the match, Cole crawls into the ring and and he's consulting Max. The crowd's chanting bullshit. I could hear Frank way up there at the top of the arena coming across in my own speakers at home. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. And then the masked men come out. They're all in black, just like Adam Cole, by the way, who was wearing all black. And uh, Cole makes this half-hearted attempt to swing his crutch at the guys, but then they hold him back. And then Cole and MJF are... They're begging one of the masked men with the chair to hit him instead of the other. You know, you effing whatever. You hit me, not him. And it looks like they're going to hit Adam Cole. And then the lights go out. And when the lights come back on, Cole is sitting in that chair with the masked men behind him. And they all unmask. And as we said, it's Wardlow. It's Roderick Strong. And it's the kingdom. And then Cole holds up the devil mask. MJF shocked. They take him out. And that's how the show ends. I mean, I think it's, it was logical. It's what they needed to do. 
they got they got to where they had to go. They got the devil reveal. It had to be here. You couldn't drag it out anymore. Uh, I think people were losing interest in it. I know our friend Justin was losing interest in it. He was out on it. Uh, I was with him on that. You know, it's it's one of those things that I want to see what happens on TV over the next few months. I want to see how it plays out because it's still, as I mentioned before, and I'll say it again, it's a misconnect for me that Joe turns on Cole or excuse me, MJF the other night and then just beats him clean. And the devil reveal has nothing to do with the title change. So what was the, what was the devil's motivation all along? What was he trying to do? You know, um, you know, I could see like, I could see like if they were trying to get the title on Wardlow, you know, and Cole was the devil and he somehow wrangled the title off MJF to Wardlow, given their history, you get that all tied in together. Maybe that would make a little more sense, but you know, I, I don't know. Again, it's something that I got to see play out uh, just to see what the motivation was and what this group is going to do moving forward. Uh, again, especially if MJF is going to be off TV. So, um, and then as far as the, uh, you know, the in-person experience, just to touch on that for uh, uh, Jesse, you, uh, you get on, um, you know, they were, they were into this match. I'm not sure they were into it as much as they should have been again, because the story is the devil reveal. That's what everybody's here for. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure they were here for the match and that's a problem. You know, that that's a problem. I mean, your longest reigning champion losing the title to Samoa Joe, you know, a stalwart, uh, should be a big deal, and it just didn't feel that way. So, um, you know, that's that's you know that's an issue for me. Go ahead, Jesse. Jump in here. You're making valid points here, Frank. And like like I said, the point A to point B with this whole Cole MJF partnership, and then the Devil reveal was not a straight line. It was a lot of loops, a lot of peaks, a lot of valleys, a lot of just weird stuff, and it took a lot of people out of the storyline, like you. I think a lot of the saving grace for AEW in the last few months has been the Continental Classic, obviously, number one, and the secondary storylines. We'll get into Christian and Copeland a little bit later. So Joe winning the title does make sense. Two reasons. MJF, obviously legit injured. Number two, we're heading into a new year tomorrow. This is a great way to reset your world title picture. I think getting the title off of, of Max right now is the correct the, the correct move. And now you can wipe the slate, the slate clean. So I'll go back to Frank's points as well here. With Joe and him not, I guess, this match not being like a huge part of the story. Yeah, that's that's definitely a problem. I think we've all said that on this show. So they got here in a roundabout way. It was done. Final thing. If you're going to watch one thing from this press conference, watch Samoa Joe's interview. Tremendous with a mm. capital T. Mm-hmm. Immediately brought prestige back to this world championship that had been missing for a few months. He had been saying that he wants to set a precedent, and what we do in the ring is most important. What we do in ring is the most important thing. He said, uh, somebody asked the question, what's going to change over the next or from 15 years ago when you last won your world championship? He said he was young and impulsive as a champion back then. He's now calculated and smarter. I'll go one more thing as well. They asked about him taking time off and what he was doing in Stanford, Connecticut. He said he was having concussion problems and he was wisely just taking his time 
in the commentary booth just trying to get healthy. So that is a reason why he did not wrestle for the WWE much, if at all, until he was released the second time. So again, go back, watch that entire press conference. Tremendous stuff from a Hall of Fame level performer. Brian, before you say anything, I I don't want to step on your your toes here. I want to just emphasize something that Jesse talked about, the importance of the world championship. I don't feel like that's been there on AEW television for a while. I don't feel like anybody, like who has cared in the past year about being world champion? You can't find them, you know? Uh, Now, are those, you know, concerns going to be, or or is that going to change? I hope so, because I believe in the press scrum uh, swerve said that his march to the title starts tomorrow. So maybe we're starting to see a move towards people wanting to be world champion. I mean, has former champion Hangman Adam Page expressed an interest? Has Omega, like nobody, you know, and I know Omega's hurt and that's a whole different story, but like, it doesn't seem like anybody has expressed an interest in getting back to that world championship. And I hope with this move, I hope that there is a step to that. They got to show me because nothing that they've done so far has shown me uh, that they're going in that direction. Go ahead. I think Danielson was probably the last person, and that was March. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, last thing, Ryan, after that, you can go ahead. Uh, shout out to this group right now in uh, in our chat. I'm absolutely yeah. loving it. Thank you. Shout out to you too, Sean. Appreciate you, as always. Yeah. yeah. This has kind of been my problem in the last few months that I've voiced on the show. Is That's why I didn't like it when Cole and, and Max were the ROH tag champions, because I felt it just took focus off of the world title and made it seem secondary. And who the hell cares about the ROH tag titles? Nobody cares. Uh, I know why they were doing it with the storyline and everything. I just didn't like it with Max being the world champion. And you're totally right. It's been an afterthought. His title run has run out of steam. It was the right decision to go to somebody else. And I think all of us on the show are hoping it's, We love Samoa Joe, but we're hoping it's kind of a short-term thing to move the belt to Swerve, who in in the post-show scrum seemed legit annoyed with where he was on the card. Uh, You know, the whole thing with Keith Lee and his match getting canceled and him not being medically cleared. He he legit seemed like he was pissed about that. And he was like, you know, it's not happening. It's on him to make this match happen. I'm, I'm moving forward. And he mentioned he wants the world title, and I hope that's where they're going. Yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk more about Swerve here in a little bit. Let's go to the top of the show and work our way back to the ending and those closing two matches. We'll get to all of that here in a few minutes. But they open the show with the eight-man tag, you know, with all of the guys who were in the Continental Classic to give them something else to do. We got uh, Daniel Garcia. We got Brian Danielson out there, Briscoe, Claudio. And they went over against Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. Matt Menard's out there on commentary. Always love listening to that guy talk. He cracks me up. Um, and he he went into this thing where when Brody King made his entrance, he Brody King wouldn't stop staring him down. And Menard was pissed about this. And when we get into the match, uh, there was a great exchange with Claudio and Brody where they were hitting uppercuts back and forth. I really liked that. Uh, Danielson was, was stopping Garcia from doing his dancing throughout the match. There was some good... Uh, chops exchanged between Jay Lethal and, and Briscoe. Um, yeah, G- Garcia and Danielson, this kind of interaction going back and forth, hopefully leading to Garcia joining Blackpool Combat Club moving forward. I think we're all hoping for that. Uh, Jay White was was very good with his heel work. Uh, but in the end, 
Yes, it was no surprise. Jay Lethal taking the fall. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a good opening match. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on it at all? I'll throw it to uh, Jesse first. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. really served its purpose. So give an example. Frank, you're going to appreciate the analogy with New Japan. They will throw G1 and World Tag League participants in a four-on-four, a five-on-five match during the G1 final. So this kudos to them kind of getting into that. The match as a whole was, there's a lot of action. I like the little Danielson, Jay White interactions. So maybe we could see that a little bit down the line. I think outside of that, there really wasn't much for me. I will say this, Frank, as well. I think the benefit for Ryan and I at home was commentary. I thought they were on point almost all night long. And that might be a big reason why my grade is a little bit higher than yours with you being in the arena. So... Now, this was one of the positive matches for me. This was this was one of the good ones. Uh, I thought that coming out of this, uh, there were things that I wanted to see moving forward. Like, I'd love to see a Danielson-Jay White program. I think that worked really good. And we didn't talk enough about the Danielson-Roosh uh, interaction. I think that we could see a Danielson-Roosh program at some point. Um, I thought Roosh was a babyface, though. I thought that that faction turned. But, I mean, everybody turns 20 million times, so it doesn't even matter at this point. Uh, and those guys working would be great. And it's funny. I didn't even make the New Japan correlation, but you're right. Like, this is a very – this had a very New Japan feel. Uh, you know, when people are eliminated, you know, like uh, at the G1 finals, they'll run a, uh, you know, a tag match uh, and get everybody involved. And that's fine. You know, you get some good action. Uh, and uh, as long as you kind of get something out of it, and uh, we've seen some things come out of, you know, those tag matches. Like one thing that sticks out to me years ago when Kenta joined the Bullet Club, you know, um, in one of the, I think it was 2019. So, uh, you know, you do, I mean, we all, we all joke, ah, you could skip the undercard tags in New Japan, but you really can't because you never know when something is going to happen. So uh, I thought that was really good. I'm curious with Daniel Garcia, though. Um, I know you guys mentioned you want to see him join the Blackpool Combat Club, and that's something that intrigues me. But are people going to be into him being a more serious wrestler, or are they going to look for the dance? Because in the crowd, they were disappointed when they didn't get the dance. So that's kind of a problem for me. Again, it's a we'll see 
but I think it's just something worth pointing out. I, I think the dance is a drag on him personally. I, I think yeah. the crowd might get into it somewhat, but I think for the TV viewer, mm-hmm. it makes him appear unserious. Um, he yep. was very serious in the post-show scrum. Garcia was on there and he was basically like the theme of everything he said was he's he's tired of messing around. He's tired of not being himself. And, you know, I think I think I think it'd be good for him. I think, you know, they can do for him and probably even more what it's done for Wheeler Yuta. I think Jesse. Yeah, I think AEW, there's such a tied in crowd to what's going on that they're going to love Daniel Garcia when he goes right back to being a serious wrestler again. Mm-hmm. I think, and Frank, I'll let you answer this after I go here as well. With with Garcia, I what I wouldn't mind seeing is with Yuta taking, I believe he took the loss on the pre-show. If maybe this leads to Yuta eventually getting the boot from the Blackpool Combat Club and Garcia being the one slotted in. My next question to you, Frank, would be, Brian Zilla made a point in the chat about this being kind of a WWE, AEW crowd, a mixture. Did you have those vibes when you're in the arena? If you read my report, uh, I just put, well, I sent it to Wade. I'm waiting for him to post it, uh, an on-site report uh, for PWTorch.com. So look for that. This did feel like a 2000s WWE crowd. Like I heard people in the concourse uh yo man i watched wwe in the 2000s yo i watched edge and christian and all of that you know and uh i'm like okay i know what we're dealing with tonight you know we're dealing with uh you know because and lo and behold what match they wake up for christian versus copeland so there you go uh so it did it did have that kind of feel to it i've got a factor in the new york crowd too like generally speaking the New York crowd is used to going to WWE shows. So I don't know how many people in this area have acclimated to AEW. It's, it's hard to say, but you know, given the location, yeah, I, I would concur with uh, what Mr. Zillum uh, pointed out. It makes a world of difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next few matches where the show started to kind of, die down a little bit we're gonna skim through i'll be totally honest my notes on them are pretty brief because i did the bleacher report post show last night solo 30 minutes and i knew to get it all in in 30 minutes i was gonna have to cover these matches pretty briefly which i did if you want to hear that show by the way you can view it on bleacherreport.com you can view it in the br app or if you want to hear just the audio i did post it as a top rope nation extra late last night for our patrons the video is also up uh, exclusively on our Patreon page, if you want to check that out. Um, but yeah, we'll go we'll go right into Miro and Andrade. So if you didn't hear, Andrade is on his way out. Some think he's going to be appear on Raw tomorrow night already. And you know, it makes his his booking maybe seem a little bit questionable because he was put over strong throughout the tournament. He was great in the tournament. He had a win over Brian Danielson, and now he's out of the company. And this was this was acknowledged by Tony Khan in the post show scrum. He said his contract was up. He didn't. He he said he like imagines you won't see him again, but he kind of like left it open. But from everything we've heard, Andrade's on his way out. That he's been frustrated and, he, and he's leaving. And so you would think maybe Miro would go over super strong and it would be a short match. But they went about fifteen minutes and it was a back and forth affair. You had CJ Perry out there with Andrade on the outside, and uh, you know in the end what we had was. CJ turning on Andrade. He was going to lock in the figure four, the figure eight or whatever. And she hit his hands out of the way when he was going to bridge. He falls on his back. 
He's staring her down on the outside, which allows Miro to hit his kick, lock in the accolade, and get the get the victory. So Miro does go over, and CJ turned on Andrade, and and he's out of out of the company apparently here. Frank, how did this go over in the building? People couldn't give a crap. Honestly, there was no investment in the match. Um, you know, there's really. I think given the fact that you haven't really seen Miro and Andrade consistently on TV, uh, I, I think that plays in. They didn't care about CJ. There was no reaction to what she was doing. And, you know, my wife and I were talking about it. You know, she even made a comment that I don't think these two, Miro and CJ, are all that in a bag of chips. Now, that's her personal opinion. You know, I, I think a little bit higher of Miro. But, you know, sometimes I just wonder why he got released from WWE because he does have a WWE look. He's a big guy. You know, and at least during that time, Vince was still, you know, he was still running the coop. So uh, you would think that he'd be in a little bit more favorable position, but uh, that wasn't the case. Um, I mean, as far as the match, I don't think the crowd knew who to invest in. You know, there was just nothing either way. I mean, you got your one, two O's. I mean, I think that's just natural, though, with any match, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was a little bit of wooing, you know, and there was a little and you're going to get that you know, uh, with any of the chops or any of the figure four or anything like that. I said, uh, you know, <laughs> I even looked at Aaron and I says, Oh, look at that. He's trying to do his wifey's move. Isn't that cute? You know? And then, uh, that didn't work out. And I said, well, cause the first time he hit the figure four and he couldn't get the, uh, he couldn't get the figure eight. I go, well, at least he paid tribute to his father-in-law doing, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, there was just, there was just no investment. They didn't care about the reveal. There was no shock and awe. Uh, it was just, yeah. I mean, we, we probably could have taken a piss, or I probably could have gotten a hot dog during this match, and it wouldn't have made a difference. Because uh, yeah, there you go. You know, it would have been twenty freaking minutes, and uh, you know. But uh, hey, I wanted to. I wanted to watch because I was going to be on TRN. So here I am. <laughs> well, you know, Miro's time in the company has been frustrating because we've all seen a, a higher ceiling for him. But apparently, I mean, some of that's on him and. He squashed a lot of the creative that's been pitched to him, and it's one of the reasons you haven't seen him a whole lot. I mean, it made yeah. sense to put him over here, obviously. So, but yeah, it's, you don't really have that fan investment anymore like you did when he first came in. Uh, Jesse, any thoughts before we move on? You guys covered it all, Frank. I'm going to appease you once again. Milk carton Miro reappears. Milk carton Miro. <laughs> yes, I think we talked about that on your show. I remember you saying that on your show, you and I, when we did on, <clears throat> excuse me, when we did unplugged uh, towards yep. the end of 2022. We're like, who are the people that should be pushed? And you said the uh, milk carton Miro. So there you go. That's exactly why he won last night. And you guys hit on the whole creative spot. Yeah. This was a good physical match. I was paying attention, but yeah, my investment wasn't super high. Because I had steam that Andrade was probably leaving. But wow, what a way he went out in those last six, seven matches that he had. Woo. I mean, hopefully uh, he'll get booked a little bit better. And hey, he was NXT champion with Hunter under the umbrella. So that's the former yeah. champion that that's true. that uh, Mr. Levesque uh, might be referring to. Mr. Uh, Mr. Drosty, I think you're it's on possible. Point. We don't know for sure. I mean, it's possible. They did. They didn't specify if it was a world champion or not. He just said a WWE champion. It could be any kind yeah. of champion. So yeah, he could be number 30 we'll at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, could happen. We'll see. Uh, this next hopefully match, he doesn't, hopefully right. he doesn't get booed like his hero, Rey Mysterio in 2014, <laughs> but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. What a rumble that was. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Tony storm defending against Rio. Nobody thought Tony Storm would lose here. Obviously, she didn't. I think Rio's fine as kind of a 
against the odds challenger despite her history as a champion. I mean, at this point in time, it's hard to buy her as a world championship contender. We got a lot of big things in the works for this company in the women's division. Tony, Tony hinted at this in the in the scrum. All the people you know who have been out injured, who are going to be coming back, you might be getting a new face as early as this Wednesday night coming to AEW. We'll see some big names in the works. So there's just no chance Riho is going to win the title here. They had the match was fine. Storm dominated most of the time. Um, there was a funny spot where Luther like caught Riho and returned her to Tony for a, a slam in the ring. Eventually, Luther got tossed he got banned from ringside um, but yeah like i said tony just dominates the whole thing uh she ends up getting the win off of a ddt at the end and then finally mariah may comes out i was wondering where she was she comes out at the very end she looks to be carrying like a ice bucket and she gets in the ring there's no champagne in fact it's just rose petals and she's covering the ring in rose petals as tony celebrates and they were both on the scrum afterwards tony gave this weird looking fur hat and sunglasses to Tony Khan to wear, which was kind of funny, kind of amusing. And then Tony kept it on for a long time, longer than he should have looking a little ridiculous, but uh, yeah, I mean, the match was fine. The, the big idea is we got some bigger names to feud with in the future and we need to get the Mariah May storyline going. We're finally going to get Mariah May in action on Wednesday night in on dynamite. To me, it's just, it's dragged too much since she's came in. And I've been waiting for this to kick into high gear. I think the Tony Storm character is running on fumes right now, but the Mariah May feud could liven things back up. So hopefully we get to that one fairly quickly here. Uh, Jesse, I'll go to you first this time. Any thoughts on this whole section? You hit on some good points, and yeah, the crowd's going to be very excited to see Mariah May perform. She's She does some work. If you watch any of her stardom matches, that's, yeah. I don't really have too much to touch on with this. I will say, to make a quick comment to somebody in the chat, you know exactly what you're getting in for with AEW, so they don't need to change anything when it comes to their time length being too long. So this just short just, just, just don't order it. Don't watch it. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say right there. Uh, lastly, length, it was what was it like three hours and 45 minutes? It wasn't even yeah. four hours. Yeah. yeah, it was just a hair under four. Lastly, I don't necessarily think Tony Storm's gimmick is going stale. I just think that, again, there's probably just isn't they haven't really pushed this Mariah May thing quick enough. Mm-hmm. I, I, yes. I think her I think all the stuff she's doing has, has been great. I mean, I guess a question I'll ask you guys as well is, do you think that there is a certain time frame that people should stick with a character before moving on? Because a lot of people can say that this, a characters can get a little bit too stale for their liking. They overstay their welcome. And I don't think Tony has just yet. I, I'm pretty close on it, though. I To me, it's been pretty stale <laughs> i just i don't think it has the uh the interest that when she first broke it out i think the whole presentation is getting old because she's doing the same thing every week and there hasn't been anything added in for her to sink her teeth into really until we get to the mariah may thing and hopefully that will as i said live and things back up what do you think frank yeah not a lot to say about the match um you know the only thing i guess i will point out is you know people were behind tony storm and that's not what you're going for in this match you want the people behind rio who's supposed to be the, uh, you know, the favorite, supposed to be the baby face, and that wasn't the case. But they also weren't really strong behind Tony Storm either. It was just one of those things that, you know, they were into the act uh, as much as they could get into the act, as much as you can get into the act at this point. Um, so, I mean, that's about the only thing I'll uh, I'll point out. Um, 
you know, I am glad that they're finally going to get to the Mariah May stuff. Maybe that'll help with this character. You know, we'll see. Uh, I don't know what the end game is for it. Um, I, I will say that I do wish that Tony was able to get over without something so comedic. You know, I mean, there is a level of comedy mm -hmm. to this act, whether you like it or not. So, you know, we'll, uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I know there, you know, when she first came in, she was doing like the rocker gimmick, the eighties rock gimmick that they tried at WWE. It didn't work, but you know, that was for other reasons too. Uh, and that didn't necessarily get over. Then they did the whole bit with the outcast. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I just wish that it didn't take this, but you know, maybe off of this, maybe this can springboard her to a better place where she doesn't have to do a gimmick, uh, you know, so comedic. And we can get to something a little more serious between them uh, or any other people uh, that might show up that we might bank on uh, showing up in WWE or showing up in AEW, if you get my little subtle joke. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. All right, let's uh, let's move on to let's see. They followed this with Swerve and Dustin Rhodes, which again I was really looking forward to Swerve and, and Keith Lee finally happening, and then they cut the match earlier in the afternoon. So Dustin Rhodes stepped in and said he'd do the match so we could still have Swerve on the card, and you know Swerve getting that great crowd reaction. I'll ask you about that here in a second, Frank, but still totally working heel. You know, he takes out Dustin before the bell even rings with this uh, stomp on the outside to the cinder block. And then they're, they're hauling Dustin to the back. He can barely walk, but he wants to fight on. So he gets back into the ring and we still have the match. So he's fighting from underneath pretty much the whole match as the baby face in peril. Um, he, I thought Dustin did a, a good job, you know, filling in on short notice here. The match itself, I think, you know, it went about 10 minutes. Probably could have been more brief given what happened before the match that he could even last 10 minutes in this kind of scenario. Um, it, I, even with it only being 10 minutes, I thought it kind of dragged at times. It was just too long. But overall, you know, Rhodes did an admirable job and Swerve, no surprise, won with the stop. Uh, Frank, what was the reaction like to Swerve in the building? Swerve Strickland is your most overact in AEW, period, end of story, end of conversation. And yes, Jesse, I will join you in that dance. I was even <laughs> doing the dance myself a little bit in the arena. And my kids are starting to do it uh, when Dynamite is on TV. So there you go. I, I, am, I am trying. Um, not to be the Debbie Downer, I thought this was absolutely fucking stupid. Okay? I thought that, you know... The idea was to, you know, do the attack, uh, get sympathy for Dustin, all right? But the problem is you're doing that against an act that people are starting to cheer. I don't mm -hmm. know who it was, but somebody said that Swerve reminds them of 96, 97 Steve Austin. And I think there's a little bit of a connection there. I think there is something to that. You can make that comparison. So you are trying to garner sympathy for somebody against somebody that the crowd is actively cheering. I think that's absolutely stupid booking. It makes absolutely no sense. The crowd was booing Dustin. Nobody, nobody wanted to see him come back and win this match. They were booing the offense. You know, you had people up in my section saying, get this job out of here. Now, listen, that's not fair to Dustin. Okay, because we know what Dustin is. We got a lot of respect for him. He's a Rhodes, okay? And he, he's he got a lot of the old man in him, too. He's got a lot of Dusty in him, uh, it, you know, with uh, you know, especially with a story like this. But 
I thought this was absolutely dumb. I think you just, you know, given the situation, and by the way, by the way, not to go off on a tangent, they made this match on Wednesday, didn't they, with Keith Lee? Mm-hmm. So within three days, you make the match, and then he's not medically cleared. Like, you don't have that figured out three days. Like, like to me, that just doesn't make any sense, unless there's a piece of news I'm missing. So I'll let you guys comment on that. But, uh, yeah, I hated this. I, I really did. Uh, I'm glad Swerve went over. Uh, the match was almost 10 minutes. That's a, probably about eight minutes or longer than what it should have been. This should have been a squash, but yeah. they put themselves in a pickle with Dustin Rhodes because you don't want to do that to him. So, you know. Yeah, you're making good points. I would say five minutes is plenty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And in fact, you know what, Jesse, five minutes is actually what I told Aaron now that I think about it. So, yeah. 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 No, I actually thought both did great character work, specifically Swerve with his facial expressions. Living proof right there. I remember sending that tweet out saying that May of 2024 is the latest you should put the title on him. He was on point. Dustin did very good, I feel, as well, uh, just from from mm-hmm. the bell. The problem was too much offense from from Dustin. There definitely should have been that should have been cut in half. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. obviously, right winner here. And let's just move on. And then back to Keith Lee, who I've defended for five years. There, there is something internally wrong with him. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's physical. I maybe he's looking to join his wife again in the WWE. I don't know, but it's just it's not a good look right now for him. No. Yeah, and like I said, it Swerve appeared really frustrated by the whole situation. And the and I think it was legit. It was it was not just him putting on his character work. He was legit frustrated. I mean, he didn't have to make that comment about, you know, if Keith wants to do the match, he's going to have to earn it because I'm done. I'm moving forward. That's basically the gist of what he said. And uh, I mean, yeah, we we've talked about. I think we talked about this on the preview show that they had planned for this match with Keith right after Full Gear. You know, they had to get Swerve through the Continental Classics. They couldn't really build the match, but they had decided they were going to do the match back after Full Gear. Doesn't work out. Get Swerve in that World Title picture. Rekindle Swerve and Hangman and make that a World Title match after Swerve wins the title. Hopefully by Revolution and have that be in the feud going into the spring, because that was a hot feud that they were apparently not done with, but they decided to pivot to the Keith Lee match. And since they don't have that now, let's get the title on the guy who should have the title. Frank, you said it, most overact in the promotion, and let's rekindle what was the best feud over the last few months easily in this promotion. If I could just jump in, Jesse, before you, you say something, why wasn't this match with Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland last year, you know, like after they broke up? Okay. Like, yeah. I don't remember mm-hmm. if Keith got hurt in the fall, you know, I, 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 so I, you know, I'll turn to you guys for that, but that was the time to do this. And the fact that, well, we wanted to build up Swerve and, you know, this and that, and the other thing, I mean, that's a load of shit. If, if you ask me, I think that's a bunch of BS. Uh, the time to do it was last year, but maybe you guys can fill me in uh, as to why it might not have taken place last year. Go ahead, Jesse. I did say winter is coming 2022 would have been the spot to do this 100%. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Ryan has any intel on this. I will say this as a joke to fire off, though. So Keith Lee, we got Cleveland Cavalier Shaquille O'Neal last night that wanted to do a DNP for, for the uh, crowd in Long Island. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't remember why they didn't do the match, if that was just a creative decision. Um, and Keith is always like so in and out in this promotion. I know there was a time where he was going to leave the promotion at one point in time. And I believe that Punk was instrumental in keeping him around when Punk was 
run, basically running creative on collision and they kept him around in the summertime. And so I know there was some back and forth of whether he was even going to stay with the company. Uh, but yeah, I mean, logic would have told you they do this match in 2022 right away, hot off the split, but they never did it. Yeah. Don't know outside of that. I remember you mentioning something about Keith Lee during the summer, Ryan, now that this yeah. uh, comes to mind. Yeah, that was where Punk had, had come into everything. So, I mean, yeah, I think just his status maybe being in flunk, flux for a few months probably played into what was happening there. So, at least Swerve got the victory. Should have been shorter, but yeah, let's let's uh, rekindle uh, that feud with Hangman down the road and, and make that your title picture. And that that would that would add some prestige back to this title. Although I think Samoa Joe is going to add some prestige in the preceding or the upcoming couple of months before Swerve hopefully gets the belt. Um. All right. I saw a mention of this guy in the chat earlier. We get the eight man. Chris Jericho was still on this show, despite everything that was floating on social media. If you didn't see the scrum, Tony was asked about it twice. Basically did not comment, said that uh, they have a safe working environment over and over, said that everyone's held to the same standards and that they have the safest working environment in wrestling. Didn't comment directly on, on all the stuff floating out there with Chris Jericho and the NDAs and everything. But Jericho got loudly booed by this crowd every time he got into the ring. There were people that were singing his entrance song. But once he got into the match, despite, you know, being on the babyface team with Sammy and Sting and Darby, every time Jericho got in, that place booed the hell out of him. The babyfaces did go over against Starks and Bill and Takeshita and Hobbs. We were talking before the show. This was a take going over around on Twitter, and, and Justin had put this in the, the Facebook group, that, man, if they would have pivoted, taken Jericho off this show, and just done a tag title match between Sting and Darby and uh, uh, Starks and Big Bill, that would have been the way to go, man. Even doing a title switch and getting Sting belted here in the last couple of months of his career. Uh, but they went, they went forward with this match and I was a little stunned. Jericho was on this show and the crowd really let him have it. Uh, how did that come across in the building? Frank, just as, just as you laid it out. Um, it was a little odd. They were singing the song, but I will say it was a little subdued. It wasn't the loud sing along that you normally got. And I was at double or nothing as you guys know. And, uh, you know, they did sing and it was a lot stronger that night. So uh, I think there's just a natural desire to sing the song. It's a great song, so it's hard not to do it. But I think once push came to shove uh, and he was in the ring, then, you know, business certainly picked up, as our good friend uh, Jr. would say. Uh, I'm sure you heard all the chants. You heard the NDA chants. Uh, I'm sure you heard the F.U. Chris. I'm sure that came mm -hmm. across. Uh, and you know, there were a lot of little subtle chants from our section, uh, throughout the match. Uh, and the same thing, Sammy Guevara even got a little bit of heat too. I think maybe his past kind of got conflated with, uh, with Jericho a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's, uh, that's, that's a problem. Um, I don't know, man, I think you got to get him off TV for a little while. I mean, look, in all fairness, we don't know everything yet. You know, not everything is, you know, been founded. So, you know, we have to know, you know, exactly what took place. But, you know, until that happens, you're just going to get this backlash and you're going to get this backlash every time. And that's not good. You know, you, you need to react. And the problem is, all right, guys, the problem is, is Jericho is probably one of Tony Khan's right hand, right hand men. 
you know, between him, Danielson and Moxley. So I'd be interested to see how TK handles this, you know, moving forward because going around now, I, one thing we should factor in with the New York crowd, they tend to be a little bit harder on people. So going around the country, maybe people won't be as tough, but I don't know when it comes to sexual allegations and, and things like that. I don't know if you're going to get a lot of forgiveness. So right now, it's going to get worse. I think. It's just yeah. And you know what, Ryan, you don't need them. Do you need them right now? Do you no, need Chris no, Jericho? That's the bigger point beyond yeah. just the the possible scandal going on, which I think they should have removed her from the show just to do the, you know, investigation or whatever they need to do nah. uh, and tell the fans that's what's happening. Otherwise, it is just going to snowball. But beyond yeah. any of that, we've talked about this on the show for a long time now. Chris Jericho is just not an interesting television performer in 2023. Yeah. He's overstayed his welcome. He served mm-hmm. his purpose well as the first world champion. You know, he he gave that title. Uh, a good name on its lineage. He started it off on a high footing. He was the biggest star in the promotion, him and Moxley, when the whole thing started. But they don't need him anymore, and he's not doing anything compelling on TV. His stuff with Kenny Omega has been dragging down Kenny Omega. Everything he does on TV at this point is just seeing who he can leech off of to get some heat. He wants to work with all the top talent in the promotion so he can seem relevant when he's not relevant anymore. I'm not saying Chris Jericho isn't a good performer. He is. But we've seen it all. There's nothing for him to do. Remove him from television now because of this, but they already should have removed him. He shouldn't even have been on the show. He needs a break. Give the man a break. There's nothing he has to add to the show right now. That's where I'm at with him. See, we had a handful of comments that probably have Jessica Irvine pinup posters in their, in their uh, household. <laughs> Yes, there were some dummies in the chat here a minute ago, yes. Yes. Ricky Stark showing Jericho how we all feel at one point in time. I thought that was absolutely awesome. What have I been saying about Kanosuke Takeshita? Best performer in the match by a mile. No one really cared. Gee, wonder why. Guevara made that point on Dynamite. Don Callis has been halting his push. Excellent point there, too. Uh, Idiots chanting CM Punk. With about a minute left yeah, in the match, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm I must have missed that. I I must have missed that in my section. I don't know if that was. It maybe got booed a down bit, pretty quickly. Uh, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah, yeah I must have uh, missed it. By the way, I I fell off for a minute, uh, and uh, I uh, I got back on. So sorry if I caused it. Sorry if my internet You're caused good. an issue. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Cool. Ryan, you hit every major point on Chris Jericho. I don't need to go further on that. My last thing is Sammy Guevara pinning Ricky Starks. Why? Big Bill should have been the one, I think, that should have Mm -hmm. taken the fall there. He's the one with the least to lose of the four. Mm -hmm. Yes. Agree. That was questionable. All right. Julia Hart, TBS champion, defending against Abaddon. Again, a match that just kind of came out of nowhere. Abaddon's hardly ever on TV, yet you couldn't possibly buy her as winning the title here. So in both women's title matches, everyone knew how it was going to tune out. Uh, turnout, I should say. Now, I mean, they're selling it that they're both kind of spooky characters. Wasn't the chant, this is spooky or something like that going on during the match? Yeah, that was fine. Like, Abaddon's a cool character, but it's just not title worthy. Crowd popped for Julia's entrance like they always do. Uh, great presentation there. But other than that, that was about it. There was very little heat during the match at all. Um, the finish saw Sky Blue come out from under the ring. 
She knocked Abaddon off the corner, allowing Julia to hit her moonsault and get the victory. And then Sky Blue and, and Julia walked off. Uh, give me the live perspective, Frank. Was it as quiet in the arena as it seemed on TV? This is spooky. It was about the highlight of the match. Yeah. That was it. I mean, nobody even cared about the Sky Blue uh, intervention. Nobody cared. I, I think people were just waiting for the uh, people were just waiting for the next match. And I'm kind of curious for your guys' uh, perspective on this. I mean, wouldn't Thunder Rosa have been a better challenger for uh, you know former champion to face and were kind of a signature victory instead of Abaddon? Because anybody's cared about Abaddon in months, maybe not ever. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, total stopgap situation. I think they want to give that match more time for for the build, but it build would have been more. more intriguing yeah. for sure. Jesse, yeah, Thunder Rosa just got back two weeks ago after over a year layoff. I think that'd be way too soon. Yeah, the the cult following of Abaddon is definitely not for me. I thought both women worked hard. I thought the character work was actually very good. Just you guys weren't invested. In. That's fine. I mean, mm. it was it was a decent match. It, it was what it was. And the whole losing a world title match, getting thrown into another match, and then getting thrown into a TBS title match gimmick has got to stop from Mm -hmm. a women's standpoint. So hopefully that ends in 2024. Yeah, the the randomness of people just showing up and and getting title matches. I mean, even Rio, technically, although I think she won a match to earn earn the right to face... um, uh, uh, what's her name there? Uh, Tony Storm. But yeah, the randomness of the of the booking of the women's division. You know, even if more stars are coming in, I mean, yeah, it's you know more toys, more toys, but you got to know how to play with them. You know, and uh, us being us being dads, we can uh, <laughs> we we can relate to such a uh, to such a plight. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, very stopgap match for Julia Hart. She retains, no surprise. Julia was on the post show scrum as well. Um, I think she was at Full Gear or Wrestle Dream too. So we've seen her up there before. Did a nice job there. Uh, glad to see her retain. We're big fans of Julia Hart on this show, as we have said. And so good to see her with the title. Wilmington Jefferson's finest. I always yes, say indeed. it. That's where my three younger brothers graduated from high school. Yeah, would love to get Julia Hart on this show. She'd be a great interview. Got the local connection with Jesse up there. We'll see. We'll keep working at that. All right. So they follow this up. Christian, Adam Copeland. And as I said at the top of the show, this is what woke up this crowd. And look, yeah, these are two 50-year-old men. But this was the best built match on the show. I think from a storyline perspective, they, you know, they've been building it up ever since Copeland returned. Copeland is in tremendous shape. He looked about as good a shape as he has ever been in. He, they made a point to point out he was wearing the same pants that he wore against Mick Foley at WrestleMania 22, a match that I was at at the Allstate Arena back in 2006. And so, yeah, I mean, they they get after it right away. They're fighting on the stage early. Christian's getting thrown into the video board. They get back to ringside. Uh, Christian dodges a stomp from uh, Copeland on the ringside steps, and then they fight up into the crowd. And, uh, you know, it's Christian looking to escape with Nick Wayne. Shayna Wayne was at ringside and Copeland chases him through the crowd. They end up up at the top of the 100 level near the concourse. And Copeland ends up jumping off the rail from the next level down onto Wayne and Christian, which was a, a good spot. Crowd was going nuts for that. It's a pretty insane spot for a 50 year old man to do. <laughs> they, uh, they fight back to the ring. Copeland ends up walking the ringside barricade and hitting a flying shoulder block. Uh, They get back into the ring. Copeland misses a spear in the corner. He gets sent into the ring post. 
Copeland starts bleeding from his eye. Uh, Christian comes back. He uses a Singapore cane on Adam. Uh, Cage then, he locks in a Boston crab and he uses a chair over the top of Adam Copeland to kind of keep him down. I really like that. That was creative. Um, and then Copeland dodges this metal rod shot from Christian and he hits a cane to the back of Christian's head. He follows that up with a cross face and he uses that metal rod then and he puts it in Christian's mouth and he really cinches back on it for leverage. Copeland ends up getting out a ladder. He uh, wedges it up into the corner and he slingshots Christian face first into it. I mean, the crowd was so hot at this point. These guys are doing a tremendous job. Christian comes back. He uses a cane shot and he climbs that ladder in the corner and then Copeland chases him up there and Copeland's got Christian on the top and he's going to go to superplex him, but Christian blocks it. And so then Christian Cage hits a sunset flip powerbomb off the top of the ladder for two incredible stuff. Copeland comes back, impaler DDT on top of a chair. He goes for the concerto, but Nick Wayne comes in and he makes the save. There is then a low blow from Christian with the chair. Uh, Copeland comes back. He starts flinging the chair around the ring at Christian. He spears him through the table in the corner. And then you get Shayna Wayne involved. And Shayna Wayne makes the save. She pulls the ref out after that spear when he's about to count for three. And so then Nick Wayne comes in. He's got the TNT title belt. And he gives the shot to Copeland. And he goes for the uh, the Wayne's world off the, the top rope to the outside on Copeland. He looked like he hurt himself on that. He was clutching his back quite a bit afterwards. Uh, they throw Copeland back into the ring. Christian hits the kill switch. And uh, he kicks out. Copeland kicks out. So then we get the fire. The crowd was chanting that they wanted fire. And they got it. So Wayne and Christian light this table on fire on the outside. And they're going to throw Adam Copeland through it. But he dodges it. The flame then goes out. Adam Copeland then goes for the table spot and he wants to make sure that that flame does not go out. And I'm telling you, man, <laughs> this guy used like two or three of those small lighter fluid things on this table. I mean, he's taken forever. He is dousing this thing in fluid and he lights it and it is just a hell of a flame. And he picks up Nick Wayne and he power bombs him to the table, but he kind of only hits his ass on the table and he like bounces off, which is probably a good thing because as much flames as there were on that table this guy would have been in a lot of trouble if he had gone through the table so he like bounces off of it the table flips over and the flame goes out it looked incredible i thought and you know after that they're getting back in the ring copeland hits the kill switch on christian he wins the title briefly let me go through what happened there afterwards and then you guys can rewind and talk about any of these spots that you want uh, but after copeland wins the title out comes Luchasaurus, Kill Switch, renamed, who had won the 20-man battle royal for a 20, for a TNT title shot on the pre-show. And so it's like the money in the bank spot here. He wants to cash in his contract now for a title shot on Adam Copeland. And here comes Father of the Year Christian Cage, and he is like whispering something in his ear and telling him he needs to hand over the contract to him. And eventually Kill Switch hands it over. Christian really quickly signs that contract and he cashes in the contract and they ring the bell and Christian hits the spear on Copeland covers pinfall 
your father, Christian Cage, is once again the TNT champion. <laughs> I thought that was per- this is perfect, man. I mean, look, Adam Copeland made his name as the Money in the Bank guy ir- originally as a main event guy in WWE, and he had the same thing done to him. It was a cash in by Christian. He gets the title back. Good booking. Love the match. The crowd loved every bit of it, Frank. I'm sure this went over well in the building. I applaud them. Great stuff. Go ahead, Frank. Oh, Frank's frozen, I think. Jesse, you go ahead. I thought he was just listening very intently to me. Caveman lawyer. Yes. (laughs) Listen, I, I can see maybe why a handful of people didn't enjoy this. This was a love letter to Adam Copeland and Jay Rezo fans. Yeah. The entire thing. I'm talking every callback from their career. And mm-hmm. is granted, they are in their late 40s, early 50s, both, as you said, tremendous shape. So you hit the nooks and crannies on the big stuff. I got to get into arguably one of the MVPs of the match, Nigel McGuinness. Mm. When I think Copeland was chasing Cage around the ring and Copeland finally got to him, Nigel goes, he's a sick son of a... And Copeland just yells, shut up, Nigel. I was in tears. Nigel was so good throughout this entire <laughs> match. And later on, when there was some, some things going on with Shane away, Nick Wayne, and Christian Cage, <laughs> Nigel goes, the, the holidays are all about family, joy, and love. Seriously, Nigel was just awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that yeah. was it for me. So, And for those who might have the gripe with the kind of pseudo money in the bank finish again this was a love letter to fans of adam copeland and jay rezzo that's what this whole match was all about this is what they wanted to do and they served their purpose and it was either my favorite or second favorite match of the night awesome awesome stuff i had no problem with the booking and it all made sense to me these guys took it back in time. I see Carl said in our chat, best Copeland match since he came back in 2020. Um, yeah, I would concur. I, I liked his farewell match on SmackDown in Toronto a lot too. That was really good. But yeah, this this was tremendous stuff worth going out of your way. And this woke up the crowd. I mean, I think I said on Twitter last night that it was an unusually subdued crowd in in New York going into this match. I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the, in the, in the TBS title match. And here they woke the hell up and they were on fire for this. They were on fire for the next one we're going to talk about. And then the main event, which we've already talked about. So um, I think Frank's internet died. He's not here. We'd ask him about what this was like in the building. Uh, but yeah, tremendous stuff. Nothing to complain about this or the C2 finals was my match of the night. So Jesse, we can rewind when Frank gets back, but let's let's take it right into the C2 finals. This was uh, Moxley. Eddie Kingston. Now, I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but they had been trying to hide what the title belt would look like. They had kept it in that black bag every week. Well, they threw it up on the screen in the pre-match graphic, so (laughs) you were shown the title belt beforehand, but they did unveil it at the end when Eddie Kingston would prevail. Dude, this match was so good, hard-hitting, exactly what you would want out of John Moxley and Eddie Kingston you know, given their backstory and everything. Oh, Frank is back. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know. I, I've activated a secondary Wi-Fi. I'm basically off my phone right now <laughs> because uh, I think where I'm sitting, the uh, the uh, Wi-Fi gives issue in the house. But uh, can I just go back quickly on? Uh, yeah, real, real quick. Yeah, I, yeah I don't go ahead. Take too much time. No, no. You're fine. Go ahead. Uh, 
you laid you laid out the match. There's nothing really to what uh, talk about. I think this match was a case of knowing your audience. And we talked about the 2000s WWE crowd, and mm-hmm. this just played right into it. I mean, there was a pop every time a weapon came out. Uh, they were into the action from start to finish. They were into everything. I do have a bit of an issue with handing over the contract, you know, because how is that possible? I mean, you know, it kind of takes like the uh, the battle royal that you know kill switch won and just basically nullified it if it could just be handed off to Christian. So, but I do understand it in storyline. So, given the money in the bank history, as you pointed out, um, it did kind of work for that. So, you know, maybe in a couple of months, you know, we'll think about this and it won't bother me, you know, given the whole story, how it's told. I am curious if there is something else in the future where maybe the TNT championship isn't involved. You know, let's say Christian loses it to somebody else and they just have a personal feud in, you know, some kind of match. Uh, to blow it off because there's definitely more uh, between Copeland and Christian. So yeah, that's just really uh, all I had to say about that. Yeah. More to come, more to come, I think between these two for sure. All right. The C2 finals. Here we go. So yeah, as I was saying, this was great. I thought, I think to, to me, this was the match of the night to this point. I think I liked it a little bit more than Christian and Copeland, which I, which I really liked. I mean, it was one a and one B for me, these two. And, uh, you know, you get Eddie Kingston out there in the black and yellow Kawada tights. Great homage to to his hero. And, you know, just knowing if you've been a long term AEW fan and you know the history between these two guys, you know, whether they hated each other, or they loved each other. The days as the tag team, just their real life backstory together. You know, they hinted at that with the promo on Dynamite this last week. You've got all the emotion going in. I I, I can't imagine how anyone could not have been psyched for this match. This is I think always what the C2 was leading to, it was the logical conclusion. And as I said on the preview show, you know, it was like Eddie Kingston overcoming the final boss. He had, he was fighting from behind through this tournament. He comes back, he's defending his two titles. He's going to win this new one to get the triple crown. And the match itself was crazy. And it almost seemed like it was going to end at the beginning because Kingston does this dive to the outside and he overshoots Moxley and just slams his head against the guardrail on the outside, like the fence. And I thought, oh, my God, they're going to have to cancel this match. His head just slammed off of that thing, and the ref is checking on him. You can see Moxley checking on him. But you could not stop Eddie Kingston. There was no way he wasn't going to do this match. So he continued, and when they get into the, the heart of the match, you know, they had just this crazy chop exchange segments throughout, back and forth, back and forth. They were exchanging bulldog chokes at one point in time. Danielson's on commentary. I mean, no offense to any of the other commentators, but Brian Danielson on commentary is just unbelievable. He is so good. Please keep wrestling, Brian. I don't want to see you as a full-time commentator, but man, when he does it, he is he's excellent. And he was, you know, talking about how he's trying to stay neutral despite his boy John Moxley being in there and everything. And he did a good job, you know, pointing out the intricacies in the match when they were doing the bulldog chokes, talking about the arm positioning and everything, talking about how Mox was getting that forearm under the chin. And so they went back and forth with the bulldog chokes. They exchanged headbutts at one point. And Eddie Kingston took this headbutt from Moxley and just sold the hell out of it. He had this glazed look on his eyes. He kind of collapsed to his back. That was tremendous stuff. Um, They're exchanging stiff shots back and forth late. And eventually, kind of out of nowhere, Kingston hits his spinning back fist, and he covers and gets the pinfall. 
And this place gave him a standing ovation. Him and Moxley hugged each other, you know, had that emotional moment in the ring. And then Moxley, you know, was smart enough to get out of the ring and let Kingston have his moment. Moxley dives through the crowd. He's out of there. And Kingston celebrates. Great moment, you know, in his backyard. I loved it. Crowd seemed to be into every minute of this, Frank. How was it in the building? So I have a confession to make about this match. This was the match that I finally got up and tried to get food for my wife and I because she went to the oh, bathroom. No. Oh, she went no. To the ba- she comes up and she's like, hey, the lines are short. Go ahead. I'm like, okay, fine. Let's see if I can sneak it in. And Gotta so what I had her happy. do though, but yeah. but as a good as a good little you know top rope nation guest host, Husband I had her. Year. I had her call me on Skype, call me on Skype, and turn the phone and point it towards the ring. So I, I did. I did what I had to do. I did what I had yeah. to do. I couldn't get the full effect of the match, but I wasn't particularly worried about it because I knew Kingston was going over. I mean, if there was any other outcome, then you just don't know what the hell you're doing. Like this. This tournament to me was designed for Kingston and that's kind of good. And that's kind of bad in a way. And what do I mean about that? I know Jesse, I'm going to warm your heart here in a second because I feel like there was a time where you could have gotten drum roll, please. The 1998 Mick Foley push. Okay. Out of Eddie Kingston, you said it last year and that Mm. stuck with me from the moment you said it. And it was spot on because there was a time where Eddie Kingston could have been your world champion. And maybe there is a time that that could happen moving forward, but I'm not confident him winning this tournament actually suggests that that might not happen because now he's holding, you know, this championship, this continental championship and going off on a side from that, it's going to be interesting to see how this title is defended because according to, if we, you know, put any uh, faith in Wikipedia, it's going to be defended across AEW, ROH, and New Japan. So does that mean all three titles are on the line whenever he wrestles? Is only one title on the line? Well, what if he loses it? Then is he not a triple crown champion anymore? There's a lot of questions uh, that get raised because of it. And the other thing, too, and this was pointed out, I was actually on um, Greg Parks' uh, Wrestling Night in America last night. Uh, so I want to give a shout to Brandon LeClaire, who pointed this out. It was really hard to root for other people. Like if this mat, if this tournament was designed for a title shot, like let's say the winner of this got a title shot at revolution, kind of like the G one sets up your challenger at wrestle kingdom. Well then don't you kind of want to root for swerve Strickland? And you really couldn't root for swerve Strickland in this. And you guys talked about this uh, in the run up to this because you really didn't want swerve saddled with yet another AEW championship. So, you know, that's, and and what does he end up doing? He wrestles Dustin Rhodes on this show of all things. So, you know, those are just kind of some of the, uh, the downsides to this, but, you know, taking all of that out and just factoring in, you know, this tournament, I'm glad they put it on Eddie Kingston. I think he needed it. I think he needed that moment. It was the place for it. Obviously he's a New Yorker. So, you know, he's winning it in the right place. Um, But I would just be curious, you know, what the plan is moving forward. I think Eddie could make this work. I just really wish he wasn't, 
I wish he wasn't treated as like a secondary champion because that's how it feels. It feels like, you know, you're the secondary guy. Hey, you, you, you take this new championship and you're a champion, but you're still not the AEW champion. And I feel like he still deserves that moment. So, yeah, that's just my quibbles with it. Frank bringing some of the best commentary I've heard in a long time to some of our kind of uplifting AEW commentary. So, Frank, I, I love these opinions of yours. Just want to say that first. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. I mean, I said earlier, I didn't say it in the show, I wish I had. This was 2023's Kawada versus Terry Funk. You could even do Funk Foley if you wanted to. Obviously, there's no blood involved, but these two know each other like the back of their hands. The promo that led to this said it all. This is the match of Eddie Kingston's life. That was last night. He never dives like that. Hence, Ryan pointed it out and how he almost busted his neck and match was over. That just showed the sense of urgency how bad Eddie wanted to win this match. Danielson added great commentary to this. I thought there was just beautiful stuff all the way around. The selling with Kingston and Moxley is very believable. You had the selling by Eddie after he hit his Oricon, and you're kind of yelling at him to go for the cover, and he just didn't have the energy to do it. Oh, that is just kudos to a pro wrestling fan. Uh, Mox with a tremendous choke and a big lariat. Danielson, again, providing that great commentary. You could tell that Eddie, when he won, was taken aback by this whole moment. Fantastic stuff. And it, lastly, to, to wrap it up, I think if you were to throw a world title shot on the line here in this C2, yes, you want Swerve probably is 1A. He is 1A. Eddie warmed your hearts enough to be 1B, so you wouldn't be disappointed if he, if he was the one that won this and got the world title shot. Let's get Samoa Joe and Eddie Kingston at Revolution. Oh man, Who wouldn't yeah. buy that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I great, great points made. Great points made, Frank. Right there, as I said, with the match of the night, this this or Christian and Copeland, good stuff. Uh, Eddie Kingston getting that moment, and yeah, we we talked a lot at, about this on the show during the pandemic. Kingston would have been a great pandemic champion. Uh, I think he would have, and I think he could still be a world champion potentially in the future. Uh, but yeah, his this was this was a great spot for him with the the all Japan love and everything, and it makes a lot of sense. I see Hassan pointed out in the chat. Uh, that they said on the pre-show, each title can be defended by itself. So apparently that's how it will work moving forward. Uh, Ryan Huffman has a question for us in the chat. Patron of the show, Ryan Huffman. So I'm going to throw this on the screen. He says, last TRN of 2023. That is correct. Who has had the biggest year in AEW and who will have it in 2024? Ooh. Interesting question. There's a there's a lot of options in 2023, but I think you could answer the same name in both potentially. Um, let me, Frank, you got some ideas? I mean, Swerve obviously we're hoping will be number one in in 2023 or mm -hmm. 2024. I think in 2023 you can make the argument it's him because he's raised his stock so much. I mean, you can also make the argument Brian Danielson is just as an in-ring performer, been the best in the company this year as well. Uh, I'm hoping 2024 is the year of Swerve, though, as of right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Frank, what do you think? I think you can make an argument for Eddie Kingston in 2023. I mean, despite, you know, not, I mean, he won the ROH title for what that means to anybody. He did partake in the G1, you know, mm -hmm. and he did win this tournament. So he had a, you know, fairly big year. Um, 
but I wouldn't fight, you know, the argument, uh, you know, against Swerve, you know, having a big year this year and having, you know, probably uh, <laughs> the biggest year next year. So, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll stand on Kingston 23, Swerve in 24, and reserve the right to go. What was it, 6 to midnight, uh, based on what you guys have to say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Justin's clapping as he looks. Uh, by the way, I I feel like I'm stealing Justin Joint's heat. So, Justin, I, I you know <laughs> – I, I, I'm giving it. credit. I'm giving credit where it's due. This is this is your thing. So I'm just I'm just stepping into the, uh, you know, I'm stepping into the chair today for you. <laughs> you know, if Justin was on this pod, he'd probably have a Guinness out. I am not drinking. We didn't do the drink thing at the beginning of the show. I've had coffee. I see uh, Jesse also has been sipping coffee. We got our TRN mugs here. Oh, I got uh, my Frank. Top Gun mug. Oh, geez. Well, I top guess that's kind mug. of that is kind of on brand for me. I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know I'm a Top Gun guy, Frank. So that's that's oh, yeah. good stuff. What, well, what do you think I, about this question, Jesse? Go ahead. Sorry, Frank. You guys can be my wingman anytime. Uh, bullshit, Frank. You can be mine. There you go. See, I knew you would come through. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> if only we could just hug each other now. <laughs> just grab my computer, Frank. Thank you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse, what do you think? As I've been hugging and kissing my son on occasion here the last hour and a half, to 2024, there's zero question. It's it's Swerve Strickland. There's just none. 2023, there is. Swerve had a great half year. I, I can't go anything the first half of the year that really made him stand out. This is where I think the full year, it gets really, really tough because there's, there's a lot of options. Samoa Joe, you could even throw in there. That's recency bias. Mm-hmm. He just won the title. Yeah. You could even forget the punk stuff because he, he left. And if you erase that, then Joe might be the most outstanding performer of the year you could go mjf in spite of the fact that his booking within the championship was terrible but the in-ring work was potentially top two or three in the company i think from an individual match perspective you could go that route i would lean kingston as well as another one as frank made the point as well when he when he wrestled in AEW and roh he rarely lost and he, he looked great. He won the hearts of the fans like he did a year or two ago and should have been elevated a little bit higher. But this C2 thing's going to be good. I'm going with Danielson. I think nice. in spite of the fact that he missed a couple of months in the year with an injury, similar to Kenny Omega, who could be mentioned in this breath as well, just the body of work in spite of those missed months and who he wrestled with and what he did elevating Kingston here in this aspect because Moxley just did the same thing. Kingston is officially a made man. So if you want to pull the trigger on the world title in 24, 25 for that McFoley run, you could still do it. So, but Danielson, all the work that Ryan mentioned on a, on a prior pod with all the matches that he's had, classics, period. Booking, took over booking for CM Punk and Collision. I think that's what that matters as well a little bit here. So Danielson will be my answer. Nice. I like it. That's fair. That's totally fair. And Osprey, as the chat's talking about, is a name to watch in 2024. That's going to be huge when he comes in. We're all really looking forward to that. I will be watching intently. Wink. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. It's been a lot of fun, you guys. Recapping the show. Great to get Frank on the show. Frank, I appreciate you jumping in the Justin Joint chair this morning. Uh, well, I, I had big shoes to fill. Justin, uh, Justin carries uh, some big weight on this show. He's been bringing the fire for a long time. So uh, I'm honored to have, uh, you know, stepped in his place. And, uh, you know, as always, I 
always appreciate, you know, being on this show. You know, Jesse, you and I did something a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, and I got to have you guys. Uh, I got to have you guys back on my show over at the Torch Pro Wrestling then and now. That's uh, haven't done a lot of shows recently, just, you know, time and everything like that. My work schedule and the holidays, it's just been tough to uh, to get something. But uh, we'll get that ramped up. And uh, I got some good stuff in mind for you guys uh, in 2024. Um, you know, as far as, uh, dipping back into the uh, archives. So, uh, look forward to, uh, doing that and, uh, proud to be a patron of this program. If you're not a patron of this show, you got to do it. It's, it's worth your, uh, it's worth your investment. It really is. We appreciate your support, Frank, and you're always a great guest and longtime patronage. Appreciate that as well. We got to get you on a TRN classics since we've done the, uh, the retro shows with you over at the torch. That would be a lot of fun. That'd be a no, lot of be- fun. No idea what's going to win in January. We'll get that poll up for our patrons here uh, very, very soon. But we did release Top Rope Nation Classics on the Von Erichs World Class Championship Wrestling Star Wars 1982, Christmas Star Wars 1982. You can check that out right now. If you're a patron, it was a fun show. We got five other bonus content or podcasts that dropped this month on Patreon, TRN Unplugged, Jesse Show, TRN Extra, my, my appearance on BR last night is up now as well, like 130 bonus shows. So we would appreciate your support in the new year. Uh, we got a lot of stuff planned coming up. 2023 has been a great year. We added Jesse to the show full time in 2023. So with this being our last podcast of the year, I just want to thank Jesse for coming on and being such a valuable asset for us moving forward and all the content he's been given, especially doing that solo show on the Patreon side. So that's a big reason to try out Patreon is, is to get Jesse's solo content going up a few times a month over there. So Jesse, thank you for that. Thank you, Ryan. I'd like to think I'm the Swiss Army knife of this show right now. The the utility yeah. guy where, yeah. Ryan, you're the guy who drives the ship. You do it tremendously. You've been doing it tremendously for almost eight years now. So thank you, Frank, your appearance today. A plus. That's the one A plus we're going to give today. I appreciate and then, that. Uh, I'm going to say biggest year in TRN goes to Justin Joint. The guy elevated his game in 2023. So, Justin, you, to me, are the the biggest star of TRN in 2023. But again, with all of us, I think we're very (laughs) integral parts to this show. I thank you for these last six months, and 2024 is going to be huge for all three of us. Absolutely. So, guys, you know, if you're not a patron... If you don't have the five bucks a month, at least subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're watching us right now on the YouTube page and you're not subscribed, help us out and, and like this video and subscribe. If you're watching us on the SE Scoops YouTube channel, I'll just you know kind of quote Tony Khan. Our contract's up. The year is up. I don't know if we're going to continue streaming on SE Scoops moving forward or not. We might. We might not. It's, it's kind of in flux. We have our own channel, obviously. So if you watch us on SE Scoops, Go over to the Top Rope Nation YouTube channel and subscribe just in case. Uh, we might be back next week on SC Scoops. I don't know. We'll see where that goes. But we we have our own thing, and we have since 2016, and, and we're going to continue. I know the majority of you are watching us on our channel right now. I can see that from the stats. But if by chance you're on the SC Scoops channel, just make sure you're also subscribed to the YouTube channel for Top Rope Nation. And we are YouTube partners there now. I can offer more things on our YouTube page. Like I mentioned on Thursday night, there is a TRN Plus benefit where you can join the youtube channel as a member there there's lots of perks for that you can check it out on our homepage on youtube.com slash top rope nation but there's some exclusive videos there that you can get you can get access to 
if you become a TRN Plus member on our YouTube channel. Otherwise, as we said, Patreon, the best way to support the show. And if you're a Facebook user, get in our Facebook group. Search Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion on Facebook.com. Great group of people. Frank's in there. Jesse's in there. I'm in there. Justin, everybody, the whole gang's there. A lot of good discussion. One of the best groups of wrestling fans I think you can find on the internet. Not too much negativity like you find elsewhere. And you'll make some friends along the way. So we'd love to have you be part of that as well. All right, guys. This has been episode 323 of Top Rope Nation. Happy New Year. Celebrate safely tonight. And we'll see you in 2024 later this week. We do this for our fans. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.